0: This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. It's my honor to welcome Reverend Jane, our Reverend Jane, who's going to be talking to us about Father Energy. It's just so wonderful to be here with you this morning. Thank you for coming on a day like this. I wanna share a quote with you about fathers. Dads are most ordinary men turned by love into heroes, adventurers, storytellers, and singers of song. So I honor all of you fathers out there, and all of our fathers who are in the great beyond who helped us have a window into the father energy, the source of all. So today I want to talk about the father archetype. Because some of us didn't have great fathers. Some some didn't even know our fathers. But the father at least gave us a seed of life. And for that, we can be grateful because we have this precious life. Whatever your, your story is with your Father, the healing journey you may be on, I want to invite us to use that as just the doorway into the love and the life that is the Father. The Father energy, the archetype of that, is all about creating order and systems and structure. Think of the riverbed, which is so essential to the river. I want to talk about the father energy in terms of lessons from my own father, which mostly went over my head at the time, but Somehow, I remembered them, and I see now that they really hold medicine for our times, medicine that we desperately need right now. And, and just to let you know, babies crying is okay in this community. And when we say we are multi-generational, we mean it. So everybody else, focus on me. (laughs) And and just know that the baby has her own voice, or his own voice, their own voice. (laughs) Um, So the way that the father archetype communicates, I believe, is through values. Make a contribution, do your part, Finish what you started. Make a plan. Any of that sound familiar? Make something of yourself. Those those are all values, and you've all, all got your own set. Pick the positive ones, not the negative things they may have said, because they were human too. The Ten Commandments, you remember those? We, we put them in a negative light, but really what they are is they are values. They talk about love God, however you think of that, that energy, the source of who you are. Go to that source and prioritize that. And then behave. Treat others like you would treat yourself which, by the way, should be good. (laughs) I mean, that's the essence of the Ten Commandments. When they asked Jesus out of all the laws that were in the Testament, they said, well, which ones are the most important? That's what he said. Love God above all. Hold to your source and love one another as you love yourself. That's it. Everything else follows from that. So the first story that I want to share is when I was a senior in high school, I was dating this guy. Oh, my God, he was so hot. (laughs) I was in love. Not really. I wasn't in love. I just thought he was really hot, and he liked me. And that was was so astonishing. And we had, I don't know, four or five dates, and then he stopped calling. And when I realized it had been a whole week and he hadn't called, I could feel the whole globe cracking. The world was falling apart. I was so miserable. It had dawned on me, and I was up in my room, preparing for the end of times. And, but it coincided with dinner time. Now I'm the oldest of eight kids, and it was dinner time, and I was expected to show up at the dinner table. But, no, whatever the minion was that came up to tell me it was time for dinner, I said, not coming. And so the minion went down and duly reported and, um, <laughs> the word came back, get your butt down here. And I think there were a couple of relays with the minion by which I convey how much respect I had for my younger brothers and sisters at that point. Um, but he wasn't budging, and so I had to come down. Oh, I can't tell you how much I hated him in that moment, just like the song that you sang. David, I just, he didn't understand me. The fact that I hadn't told him any of this, it it took me until my 40s before I noticed that, oh yeah, I had never shared any of that with him. He was just supposed to know that. And um, I realized that that might have been a model in my other relationships too, that maybe you should actually tell people how you're feeling and not just expect them to mind read. But... At 17, I did not know that. So I sat down there, miserable, eating, with all these people that could not possibly understand what I was going through. I didn't get it at the time, at all. It took me years to unpack that. But what I realize now is that the father energy represents this is a value, this is what we do. And yes, you're going to have feelings, and you still are going to do this, because this matters. So in that particular case, it was, we gather as a family, regardless of what's going on in the world, which is good medicine for right now. I was talking to someone who has been a longtime member of Unity, this community, at an event I was at over the weekend. And she said, yeah, I kind of got out of the habit. And, you know, I I keep telling myself, oh, I should come back, but it seems like too much work. I don't know, do any of you that are sitting online, I mean, I love that we can have the online option, because some people live in California our newest member, for example. Um, People can watch from wherever they're vacationing, or they're sick and they don't want to expose others, and they can watch, it's so great. And gathering is important. At the Unity Convention last week, um, one of the things the CEO of Unity Worldwide Ministries said was, let's go back to our roots. What did we do? We healed, we gathered, we educated, That's our root. So when you make the choice to actually come in this room on a Sunday, even though there are a multitude of other things you could be doing, or there might be feelings that you have. You know, it's great to come gather when you're feeling all happy, happy, happy. But when you're not feeling so great, we still gather. And then we get to feel the support of one another. One of the rules... Well, I I guess it's not a rule, but when I think of that, so that was a rule that we had to do it. It had to do with the good of the whole. It wasn't just about me and what I was feeling. Because it's important to the whole that we be together. And I think that is medicine that we have lost. We're thinking about what is it that I want And we don't think about what's the good of the whole. Take the whole thing with guns right now and the violence that's happening. People are adamant that, no, I get to hold on to my guns. And nobody's actually saying nobody can have a gun. They're saying nobody needs an attack assault rifle. But people believe that they need it. And so they're hanging on, and they're fighting about it. We heard one of the the tracks at the convention was about the cow in the room. And this presenter was talking about the importance of going vegan. Now, I will tell you, Donna's sitting there nodding, oh yes, yes, I know that guy, he's my hero. Um, I will tell you that I have been very against veganism, not like, nobody should be vegan. I don't think that. I don't think I should be vegan. And I have all these beliefs about it. But one of the things that he said was that in order for the meat industry to exist, it's not so much the the local farmers, but the meat industry in general and the way it is done in this country, there has to be a tremendous amount of food grown for the the cattle and the other animals. And so there is so much land that does not have trees growing on it. It has crops that go to feed the animals that are then slaughtered. So it's really about how the earth is being used. And so as I listen to that, I I can't say to you that today I'm a vegan, I'm not, but today something is rumbling inside of me because what I heard was the earth that is so important to us, that is so important to my grandchildren who I want to live and grow up in a world that is beautiful, that I and everyone else like me, are putting that earth at risk by this particular belief that we need to eat meat. I believe I am healthier because I eat meat, and that I won't be healthy if I don't. And I don't like some of the food that goes along with veganism. And so I start thinking about the adolescent me who wants what I want and doesn't want to have to do what I don't want to have to do. And I'm questioning, you know, do I really believe in the good of the whole? Am I willing to make sacrifices? The Father energy makes sacrifices our fathers, I know it's different now, our mothers are out there working too, but in the era that I grew up in, our fathers were out there working hard. Our fathers were going off to war. The father energy, whether it's expressing through a woman or a man, the father energy is, involves sacrifice, to do what it takes to take care of, to bring shelter to, to protect. So, what is it, for each one of us, that we're not considering? How is our own selfishness, our wanting what we want, getting in the way of the whole? Another story with my father was when I was a sophomore in high school. My dad was a chain smoker at the time. thankfully, finally stopped. But at that time, he was a chain smoker, and he had a standing offer to us all. If you ever want to learn to smoke, come to me and I'll teach you. Don't go out behind the barn. It's a mystery to me why one would be better than the other, but that was a standing offer. So when I was, uh, I guess I was a freshman in high school, I decided to take him up on that offer. Why? Because, well, you know, you, you, you've seen the movies, the people that smoked look so cool. <laughs> and someday, somebody might offer me a cigarette, and I wanted to look cool. There was nothing cool about me at that time. <laughs> but I knew that if I had a cigarette, It could happen. I could be cool. (laughs) So, after all the kids have gone to bed, we sit down for a father-daughter talk. And I think he's going to teach me how to smoke. Not a chance. Instead, I get this heartfelt talk about march to your own drummer. He never teaches me to smoke. He sees a value in me that I don't see in myself. And when I tell him why I want to smoke, because I was you know, young and naive enough to just lay it out there and tell him I want to look cool, and he was wise enough to value me, He was basically saying, to thine own self, be true. Don't sell yourself short. You have value. I didn't know that. It took me a long time to learn it. Not because my parents didn't show me that, but because at that point in my life, I was not able to take it in. I was so busy looking at the popular kids, and thinking that that's what worth looked like. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever questioned your own worth? The father energy is saying to you, don't do that, you have value. There's a a psychologist and author that I follow, Dr. Kelly Flanagan, and one of the blogs that he wrote, he talked about how he was a, a soccer coach for many years, and this was gonna be his last soccer game because his son and those kids were all getting ready to graduate. And it was bittersweet as any kind of ending is when you know, there's a graduation and a moving on. But one of the, one of the uh, rituals that he had come up with was he gave the A words at the end. Of every season. And the A words were he would choose three words that described each player. And they would sit there anxiously waiting to hear their words. And he thought that maybe as they got older, they wouldn't really want that, but they still wanted it. And this particular year, he realized he needed to give. And A word to his own younger self. And he thought about the little boy who was up in his room, poring over his books because he was so in love with books and dreamed of writing a book someday, which he has now done. But it was time for dinner and his mother's calling him for dinner and he doesn't want to come. And he's putting up a fuss, sound familiar, um, because he, he was so devoted to his books, and so the A word that he gives this boy is stubborn, but in a good sense, holding fast to what he believed in. And when he gave himself that A word, he just felt like <sighs> something clicked into place, and he felt seen. Whatever it is that we do, to give ourselves and others a sense of worth. It's important. And that's the father energy at its finest. There was another story from my dad. This is, um, was a sit down with my grandparents. So when, when I was seven, my mother died very suddenly. There were four of us at that point. And my grandmother, who was her mother, and my grandfather, but especially my grandmother, did not take it well. And, you know, not that she was expected to, but she carried her grief. As I look back at it now, I didn't understand it at the time because we didn't do grief well as a family, but, but it was like she was adamant that her firstborn, who was also her favorite, would not be forgotten. And when my dad remarried and they began to have children, she was not embracing she would write letters to Mr. Paul McConnell and Fran. When the first of the four younger siblings that came from my stepmother, um, Kathy was two years old, I think, and she was still too young to go out to dinner when my grandparents took us out to dinner. But they sent home, they, they ordered to be sent home, four cupcakes, not five. At two years old, she was not too little to eat a cupcake. And that's the kind of thing that my grandmother did. My grandfather wasn't really like that, but he didn't, he didn't stand up to her. So one day, um, they come over, and we have a sit-down, the entire family and my father lays down the law. He said, you are going to treat them all like one family or you are no longer welcome in our home. That was a really important line in the sand that he drew. What I learned from that is it's not okay for anyone to be outside the circle, regardless of what your feelings are, your feelings about them or your feelings in general. Everyone belongs in the circle. And this is medicine our world desperately needs now. This month, we are celebrating Pride Month. And we are celebrating today, Juneteenth. And these are celebrating marginalized groups that we have no business marginalizing. As a society, we have done great wrong to people. And we all need to be part of the solution because even though we personally may not have done that, We are part of the collective consciousness, and we in unity believe that all are one, and so that whatever is out there being manifested, we can find it in our consciousness and heal it in our consciousness. And we can also take action. I learned something that shocked me this um, week at the convention, and that was that unity used to not be at all tolerant of people who are gay and lesbian. Somebody was telling me one of the ministers in our region got a big award this week at the convention and she was telling her story of how when she was ordained in 76, she's gay, and they they had made a point the week before it was time for graduation and ordination of saying that anybody who was gay was not going to be ordained and would probably never find a placement. And so she and the other folks in her class that were gay were looking at each other with, well, we're not telling. And so they got ordained, but they always had to keep it under wraps. In 1994, another minister was telling me that there were four gay men in her class. And at that time, each class was supposed to come up with some class project that made a difference in the world, the world of unity. And so they decide that they're going to bring it to the attention of those who rule unity that this discrimination is inconsistent with the idea of oneness, and so they write up a position paper, they they put it in there, and then they're kind of shaking in their boots, like, what's going to happen? Are they going to all get kicked out just a week before graduation and ordination? Well, that's not what ends up happening. They get... Called into like the equivalent of the principal's office and um, are told, "Well done," and they are given like one of the points that they were shooting for, and then they get called into the next level of admin. And the end result is that gay people who are married, their partners are allowed to be in the group of partners. Um, which they weren't before. And I think, I can't remember now exactly which pieces, two out of three, they got through. It was a big deal. And the very next year, Unity puts out a statement on diversity and inclusion, And, and it has continued. Today, if you go back in that corner where there are a whole bunch of free booklets there that you can help yourself to, there is one that's called Worthy. And this booklet is filled with stories from Unity leaders who are gay, lesbian, trans, and public enough to write their stories and be in a book published by Unity that is widespread for distribution. It's something that they evolved. So even though there are times when we're part of the culture. We're part of the culture. I didn't have terribly um, racially violent parents, but they grew up seeing black people as different from them. And I, have, I never even heard about homosexuality. I, did, I didn't know that was a thing when I was growing up. And so, as I've grown up, my consciousness has changed. We can change, but our starting value has to be, we're all in this together. Juneteenth, which is today, is a celebration of the day that finally word got all the way to the last corners of the United States, which at that time was Texas, and word was communicated that slaves were no longer a thing. Nobody was allowed to have a slave. This was a year and a half after the Emancipation Proclamation had made that law. But either word had not made it to Texas, or they ignored it. Juneteenth is when all the people finally got the word. And yet, it wasn't the end It was the end of slavery, per se, but not the end of discrimination. White supremacists, who were the slaveholders, they went into the police force and they went into government, and they started changing laws to make it difficult for people whose color was not white to get ahead. And you've all heard these stories. You know about segregation, you know about redlining for getting housing, you know about lynchings. Those were all things that went on after Juneteenth. It got a little bit better with the Civil Rights Act in 1964, but not for long, because those folks were still in policing, and they were still in government, and they just Morphed and started making new laws. Have you noticed what's happening in our government right now? How many laws have been made to make it more difficult for people of color to vote? It is still happening. In unity, we teach that we are all one. And so we need to do things in order To make that happen, there's a story in the Bible about the owner of the vineyard, or the father of the vineyard says to his two sons, I want you to go out and work in the vineyard. And the one says, the the good son says, oh, got it, I'm all over it, I'll do it. But, in fact, he never does. And the other son, who initially rebels and says, "Ah, I'm not going to do that, thinks better of it and he does go and work in the vineyard. Jesus was talking, when he gave that story, he was talking about the Pharisees, who were the people who studied the law. They knew it backwards and forwards, but they weren't living it. The the son that actually showed up and did the work represented the people that the Pharisees would have said were sinners but they actually were living the Word. So we study these unity principles. We study and we proclaim, but what are we doing? And I'm not saying, well, here's this thing and we all need to do it. I'm saying there are things that need to be done and you find out what those things are to be done by you, by me, by going within, by talking to the Father within. When we get quiet and we go to our source, then we find inspiration of what is ours to do. But something is ours to do. Everyone has to do their share. So you want to think about that. Finally, I just wanna talk about the prayer, the Our Father. In the Gospels, the story goes that the apostles said, well, so how do you do this? How do you do this prayer thing? Which, you know, many of you have probably wondered yourself. We get up here and say, oh, we're gonna pray, we're gonna pray, and we do it affirmatively, and not, not the old way you know. We're not gonna get down on our knees and beg. And if you notice, Jesus' answer did not involve, get down on your knees and beg, that's how it works. Uh Uh-uh. He gave this formula, and it begins, Our Father, source for all. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means holy, holy. And I like to spell holy with a W. W W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means whole. Our Father who art in heaven. What is heaven? It's the state of expansive consciousness where nothing is left out, where all is included, holy. On earth, in the material realm, as it is in the all. Thy will be done in that consciousness. So thy will is not the father energy that is not evolved. Saying, do it because I said so. It's not that. It's the, the wanting. It's the, the father energy that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. It's the father energy that knows that each one of us has value. Each person sitting in this room has tremendous value and something to contribute. And each person who is on the earth and each animal who is on the earth and the plants and the earth, all of it has value and worth. And from that place, we go forward knowing, knowing that our value is always held and protected by the source of our very being, even when we forget. And as we celebrate Father's Day this year, let's not only honor our fathers, present and past. Let's honor the source of who we are. Let's move forward and be who we came to be when we're not afraid. Namaste.